It, I, I don't think I'm not the only one that thinks why I do, and I'm going to show you that very here, very shortly. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three to zero seven. My watch is a little fast for some reason. Joining me now from the uh, always fluid confines of what the great state of Florida is, investigative reporter Lee Williams. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for the invite. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that the left understands the utility of weapons? No. They, they see weapons as evil rather than the person that uh, wields them uh, being evil. They don't see the utility at all. They uh, are not going to be happy until they reach their goal of total civilian disarmament. You, you, think that you don't think, though, that they see that they want them in their hands but not our hands? If given the choice, I think they would go with that. That would be hard hard for them to achieve but yeah they would they would like to be the ones with the guns and not us now given that in uh you live in florida in the gunshine state you just recently got permitless carry which uh you don't have open carry which is an oddball thing but you got permitless carry uh everybody there in florida for example was saying uh this is gonna we're gonna we're gonna be having shootouts in the parking lots over parking spaces has that happened yet yeah, no, it really hasn't, even though I bought an extra squeegee, you know, for when the streets start running red with blood. Right, right. Um, we, have, we haven't had any shootouts, and it's just been kind of a non-story. As it is with everybody, though, right, yeah. whenever, whenever this goes up. Now, with now, what did you find Lewiston, Maine, what happened in Lewiston, being a permanentless carry state, which has very few restrictions. They have a yellow flag law, which I don't even know how to classify that, which, of course, they didn't employ with this uh, particular cat. But we had a clearly clearly mentally ill guy that was he prohibited or not from owning a gun? I, I, I've heard it both ways. I would say he was prohibited. Um, Lewiston, Maine, was a failure of local law enforcement to take action. You have the National Guard went to the Maine State Police and said, hey, this, this guy is uh, a danger to himself or others, and you need to check on him. And they actually said before he either you know, commits suicide or commits a mass shooting, that was actually communicated to Maine State Police, who did nothing with that tip from the National Guard. You know, that sort of sounds like Devin Patrick Kelly out of Sutherland Springs, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly does. But they did their due diligence. And the ball was dropped, and yet we have another mass murderer who was, quote-unquote, known to law enforcement. Why is it that these institutions, like, you know, the, the college that James Holmes was going to, they knew he was a, 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 a loose cannon. But then he just dropped out of school, and they no longer considered that their problem. Um, why is it that these institutions that get out there and identify a problem if something changes like, okay, I'm no longer in the military, I'm no longer a member of the college. Why should they just be able to just drop this and say, not my problem? They shouldn't. Um, I know there are probably two things uh, cause that. One, they're lazy. Or two, they're scared of some type of litigation. <laughs> right. Um, neither one of those are good excuses. In the interim, as we're going along, and you've you've done you've done several articles of this, and we've talked about this on the other shows. Uh, right now, we have the ATF that's on a full on, like in a, in a, in a combat mode, going after FFLs for what used to be a pen and ink change on a uh, on a clerical mistake. Now they're putting, 
yanking FFLs and taking away businesses that have existed for in a family for, for decades. Um, and that's all being brought to us by unelected bureaucracy. Is anybody looking to try to rein that in? Yeah. Uh, first of all, to, to clarify, uh, Joe Biden sold this as a war on rogue gun dealers. Don't forget that. And he defined rogue gun dealers as a gun dealer who would uh, transfer a firearm to a prohibited person or someone who would refuse to cooperate with ATF when they asked for a tracing request. But that war on rogue gun dealers turned into a war on all gun dealers. And it's, it's become damn near criminal. One lawmaker in Oklahoma, uh, he's a local state rep, J.J. Humphrey. I can't say that name enough. He's a Republican from Lane, Oklahoma. Uh, reacted damn near violently to an ATF raid on one of his constituents' homes. This constituent had a federal firearm license. ATF hit it with a 12-man SWAT team, yelled at him, scared him, threw him, threw him on the ground, handcuffed him in front of his 13-year-old boy, and yelled and screamed until he, quote-unquote, voluntarily relinquished his federal firearms license. He took about 50 of his guns. J.J. wants a grand jury, an Oklahoma grand jury, a state grand jury to investigate this for possible charges against ATF. And he actually spelled out the charges that he believes should be filed. Extortion, several kinds of extortion, making terroristic threats, tampering. I mean, they disabled his security cameras. Disabling, that's a crime. And they stole his guns, which is grand theft. Yeah. Now, isn't that, I mean, if, if the guy was actually, was he guilty of anything? Did he make any mistakes on it, 4473s or something? Or why was it that he his FFL had to go? What was his, what were they getting after him for? I think it was his turn, quite frankly. Uh, they have yet to charge him with any crime, although they're saying, well, it's a federal investigation, so we can't talk about it. They that's always a thing, isn't it? That's always a thing. Yeah. We can't talk about ongoing investigation. Right. They took his guns. They took 50 firearms valued total at about 60 grand. And then they offered to sell him back his, or to, to pay for him uh, for these weapons at $10 per gun. They offered to pay him 10 bucks per gun. Nice. Now, I've been involved in criminal investigations. I've seized firearms because they're used in the commission of a crime. I've never heard of any law enforcement agency ever that would pay you for the guns that they stole, that they took from you as part of their investigation. It doesn't work like that. Well, I mean, if he was a desperado, why would they have left him on the street? Yeah, and why would they then want to uh, compensate him for the firearms that they, they confiscated? Well, they're doing that for uh, deniable plausibility or something, or plausible deniability, yeah. or whatever, whatever the phrase whatever the phrase is. Then they could get out and they say, "Oh yes, we provided monetary uh, remuneration for those." Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, five hundred bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, with that now, uh, is, is this something that's going to have to be done legislatively? I, for me, looking at just that one thing they're doing, just based on that one incident you just recounted in Oklahoma, they should be defunded and put out of business for me. That that, uh, that yeah. is the perfect world. I think these agents, and I spoke to one of them before he hung up the phone, the guy who's in charge of the raid, I think they're worried about criminal charges because you get a... You, you get an Oklahoma grand jury, uh, 25 good people, they're likely to file uh, an outside, indictment. Outside the Beltway grand jury? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, uh, Lee is the lone investigative reporter at the Second Amendment Foundation, which I will be joining today because I got a new AR-15 pistol build 
Lee, so I'm going to be joining. I've just realized that I don't have a membership to them. So I'll be joining them today. And uh, what they do is they go out and they see things like this. And they'll probably join in on this Oklahoma thing, too. Won't they? Let's you think? hope. Yeah. Yeah, I would. When Alan Gottlieb swings into business, then things things are going to get co- legally kinetic, won't they, as far as oh, I'm concerned? This is what's needed, too. Find. You can find Mr. Uh, Williams. At a variety of places, his writings appear at thegunwriter.substack.com, at Armed American News, which is a collaboration between him and another friend of mine, Mark Walters of Armed American Radio. And he is the lone investigative reporter at the Second Amendment Foundation, which everybody should be a member of anyway. I, did I, I, covered all the, I covered all the bases, didn't I? You got them, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, Anytime. have a good day, and I'll be talking to you later on in the week. Take care. Yes, sir. We got to fight this stuff. This it's never ending. It's savage. I'm telling you. There's one good thing that's happening right now. The Democrats are getting mugged by their own creation. Who knows? Maybe never Trumper will decide to call in on that one too. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Oh, you guys on the text line, you're so you're so witty. You're so witty. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. One thing the left loves is they love the open southern border because they believe that everybody coming across the southern border is going to vote for them one day when they get this imagined gift of uh, citizenship. Just you know, they're just going to get amnestied in, right? No, no vetting, no nothing. And a lot of these guys, until recently, they've, they've been able to sit back snug in their uh, northern cities, very far from the open southern border, condescendingly scolding conservatives and anybody living in on the southern border for their heartlessness and, of course, their racism. Because no person is illegal. America is a nation of immigrants. Give us your tired, your hungry, your poor, whatever else the rest of the poem says. Like the poem had the force of law. And then Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis had the inspired idea to send the illegal aliens flooding Texas to places like Martha's Vineyard, New York, and Chicago. And now, these smug cities are begging for relief. It was cute when Martha's Vineyard, after hosting what was essentially a community-wide barbecue for the few illegal aliens who landed in their elite white paradise, swiftly sent them on their way. That was easy because it's a very small area and they had them all rounded up. But it's harder in a place like New York and Chicago where they get sort of dispersed. And right now, these cities, these mayors in these cities are picking the illegal immigrants over their own citizens that live there. So, like the residents in Brighton Park, they were furious. They were planning to build a migrant camp in their community. They confirmed their intent of a 10-acre vacant lot where they were going to put this. And the residents, they were divided on the plan. Some were calling for living better living conditions, while others say they're concerned over safety and don't want the encampment in the neighborhood. 
Now, here's the thing. These people who are going to bear the brunt of the pain, I could feel sorry for them Except 87% of them vote for Biden. They voted for Biden, you know. <laughs> and uh, I get this from a, a Twitter account. And wokeness. Asian American residents in Brighton Park, Chicago, are furious about illegal migrants coming to their neighborhood. 80% of this, 87% of this area voted for Biden in 2020. Right now, in New York, they're paying $11 million to wash laundry for the illegal aliens. That's on top of the $23 million they're shelling out for other services, some of which also include dirty laundry. And that's just, just a small part of the billions they're having to spend to take care of people who enter this country illegally. Now, New York didn't mind the cost being borne out by the small communities along the border, but except for Staten Island, New York City enthusiastically backed the open borders Biden. Given the budgetary costs of the illegal aliens, not to mention them taking over homeless shelters and hotels, um, now Adams is going to get out there and he's going to ship the aliens out of the city. They, they've started a reticketing center. They can secure a one-way plane ticket anywhere in the world because he's got to free up space on the overburdened shelter system. He said... Or a spokesperson said, with no signs of a decompression strategy in the near future, we've established a rig ticketing center for migrants. Migrants. Here, the city will redouble efforts to purchase tickets for migrants to help them take the next steps in their journeys, and it will help us triage operations at the Roosevelt for new arrivals. And that is actually cheaper than it is to get out there and, uh, you know, that, that's cheaper than it is to house them per day. But here you have the left getting mugged by reality. And most most of us, unfortunately, learn best through pain. And, you know, here's the real pain from the policy that they condescendingly insisted upon. Enjoy this. Enjoy this. This is what you voted for. This is what you wanted. This is what you said you preferred. No mean tweets out there. Mm -hmm. No mean tweets. But you're getting mugged by reality. Sometimes you're getting mugged literally by some of this stuff. And listen, I don't I don't particularly want to see any of my fellow Americans get hurt or have violence per perpetrated upon them. But you know what? I can't get you to understand one thing for some reason, no matter how hard I try. This is a dangerous world. And we're inviting people we don't know in by having this open border and they're out there and they are in the middle of us right now right now where we sit right this minute there's people near us that we don't know are near us they have dispersed to a level that we have no idea where they are and if they go operational everybody's going to be scurrying some of you some of you who don't like cops are going to be calling cops. Because at the end of the day, it's always going to be somebody with a gun that's your daddy, right? If you're not willing to protect yourself, you'll have to call somebody to protect yourself. But I digress. 
What we have done is we have taken a country that was the great is the greatest country on the planet. Still today, still today, we still are, despite the stupidity that we've been involved in, and we have watched the rest of the world destroy themselves voluntarily, and now we're trying to do it the same way. And this is going to cause issues for us. The left has created a couple of monsters, and those monsters are going to come and visit them soon. And then what? What are they going to do then? Most of the leftist grifts, like Black Lives Matter, they prey on black lives. Antifa? Antifa has no allegiance to anybody. They're anarchists. They, they're not out there saying, oh, Joe Biden is great. We'd like to back him. They're not out there endorsing any presidential candidates. They want anarchy. This kind of violence, that they, the, the kind of things that they, uh, that they champion, if you will, these are the kind of things that we're going to be forced to fight. And yes, these are monsters that they have created. They did create them. They've existed before. The brown shirts were sort of like this, you know. The ATF is sort of like this with that story that Lee just told us about this guy. They showed up. They, they show up at his house. They browbeat him. They handcuff him. They slam him to the ground. They're yelling at him. Give up your, F, give up your FFL and we're out of here. Then he says, okay. And they're like, oh, okay. That's all okay. They take off the cuffs. They leave. They have terrorized the guy. In, and and that's, the, that's, the, that's the classic definition of terrorism. They're out there going, well, we're federal law enforcement, so we're not actually terrorists. But yes, you are. You're using terroristic tactics. We have, we have squandered. We, we had the world. We had our, you, you know, Pax Romana. We had it. We had it. And we squandered it away. Squandered it away. So, you know. It makes me sad. The, the, the biggest problem I have is that, see, I'm one of these senior warriors. Pretty soon I'll be an elder warrior. When I become an elder warrior, I don't have to worry about it. Right now as a senior warrior, I would be expected to carry my weight by my peers, and I will. The thing is, I shouldn't have to do this. I, you know, I handed this off a long time ago. When I was active and I was viable and I was out there, uh, nothing ever happened because we were just so bad b-a-d-d we were so violent at what we did and we were going to cause so much damage nobody wanted to mess with us and now might have to get kinetic at some point when i should be sitting back wondering about tailgating you heard about that billionaire that found out about columbia well he's not he he, he you know don't don't make him a hero just not yet this is news talk 98.9 w-o-r-d I sincerely hope it does not rain on Halloween. There's nothing worse than it raining on Halloween. Although, did they did they trick or treat over the weekend? I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't have littles anymore, as they're called. Who 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 made, came up with that thing? 
And for the, uh, by the way, the Botany, Botany uh, Woods, which is uh, one of those old storied uh, housing developments or neighborhoods, if you want to call it that, uh, they went all out. I mean, I was driving through there yesterday, and I mean, that's just, that's Halloween wonderland. So, But I hope it doesn't rain. Hope it doesn't rain. Leon Cooperman, he is the billionaire that was throwing a bunch of money at Columbia. And uh, if you paid even the slightest bit of attention for decades, Columbia was known for their anti-Semitism. And he gave millions of dollars to them. And then it was like here recently, he woke up and said, well, they're anti-Semitic here. And now he's insulting the students and vowing to withhold money. I guess it's never too late to see the light. But at the same time, what about when this isn't new? This and this is the thing. This isn't a new thing. And uh, here's some headlines about Columbia University, all of them predating the genocidal anti-Israel raid and the protests that erupted after Hamas crossed into Israel. October 29, 2004, 2004, Columbia to probe faculty anti-Semitic remarks. November 4, 2004, Columbia's anti-Semitism problem. 2005, Columbia's own Middle East war. 2005, the Mideast comes to Columbia. 2005, Columbia University deals with recent charges of anti-Semitism on campus. March 2005, Columbia's Jewish problem. 2017, Columbia University's Rashid Khalidi is secure in his anti-Semitism. 2018, Jewish professor finds swastika spray-painted in office at Columbia. 2019, Israel apartheid weak flyer at Columbia U depicts IDF soldier with horns. March 6, 2020, Columbia's President Bollinger condemns anti-Semitism in a statement before the Senate plenary. September 30th, 2020, Columbia Students Pass University's first ever Israel boycott referendum. September 25th, 2022, Columbia, New York University, and Brooklyn College get failing grades on confronting anti-Semitism. Now, here's my thing with this. I thought schools were supposed to be teaching places. When did, I mean... And I'm not I'm, I, I'm not stupid to this. I understand this. They, they have long since been this indoctrination camp that you pay to go to. But, um, you know, I didn't even LexisNexis this. Mainly because I don't have LexisNexis. If I had it, I would have. And you could do just about that. You could do that with just about every campus in America. They've all been living and breathing increasingly aggressive anti-Semitism. Yet uh, at UCLA, two, two Jewish mothers founded the invaluable stand with us because their children were coming under relentless anti-Semitic attack. Now, Leo Cooperman donated, donated $50 million to Columbia University. But why did he ignore all of it? He, he, he sees it now. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. He's like, I'm just not going to do this. I'm not putting up with this. He was, uh, well, he, he announced there that he was going to suspend giving his money to the school after they refused to fire a professor who called the Hamas attacks. Now, college students, 
to a degree that they're young and stupid and inexperienced, have an excuse for these values. They've been marinated in this garbage in public schools. They're off on their own for the first time. They have empty, malleable brains, and their professors are screaming this stuff at them in front of the classroom, and they're in, in, enveloped in a completely indoctrinating environment. Cooperman, on the other hand, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that's been out there. He's made billions in finance. Uh, how did he miss it? What's his excuse for this? And I think it's great that you've decided not to do it, but how about giving 50, that, the same $50 million, how about giving that to, uh, to the people and organizations fighting this kind of thing to which you, you, I mean, you've been paying it. You have been seeding it for a long time. And you can give it to Stand With Us, which is, I've never heard of it, but it's a supposedly a very good organization fighting anti-Semitism on college campuses across America. Why is that even a thing? I went all the way through elementary school and high school and junior high school, and I, I don't think I ever nobody ever tried to indoctrinate me. The closest it ever came was my civics teacher told us that as California goes, most of the time, so does the rest of America. That's as close as it's ever got to me being indoctrinated. I never got indoctrinated, and uh, for the most part, I was allowed. Now, some guys got out there and tried to do some things, no doubt about it, but I just didn't, you know. That was all in my uh, my last school that I went to, which was Westside, and there were a few people in there trying to do a few things, but, you know, all that being said, uh, it, it wasn't really something I paid any attention to, and none of us seemed to. None of my classmates seemed to either. Now, I have looked back over time, and some of my classmates, I, I just sit back and I'm like, what happened to them? You know, and I'm not talking about the ones that inevitably become drug addicts. I'm talking about the ones that you wake up and they're so extreme one way or the other. And this is where the, uh, I, I guess this is where I take my, uh, this is where I take my comfort from. I don't consider freedom to be an extreme view. I don't. And I'll explain why. Because freedom is the natural state that everybody yearns for. Every, every being yearns for this. This is why plants turn to the sun. They are turning to what is nurturing for them. As do humans. Freedom is our natural state. It's only when they try to restrict freedom that we begin to become savages. Even in our natural state, we are savage. No doubt about it, though. No doubt about it. So, I just, I, I find it interesting that now we got this guy that's making this big show out of this. And I mean, is anybody asking him, well, why, why are you just now noticing it now? This is not a new thing. That's a little bit like saying, I'm not going to fund the sky anymore because it's blue. Oh, way to go. Going to talk about this guy with the truck that got doxxed the other day and then swatted. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
Everybody saw the doxing truck. That was pretty humorous, I had to admit. That that's 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 one of those things where, well, okay, you big tough guys here. Let's just show your faces, shall we? GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Uh this past Friday, the Harvard doxing truck guy, somebody swatted him and uh based on a false claim that he was holding a gun to his wife's head. This is the kind of thing where the guys go in heavy. They're like, okay, gunplay, gunplay. So they got to be up and, you know, they got to be up and going. And we get to see surveillance video of the officers entering a code into the front door and then rushing in with rifles at the ready. However, this guy, Adam Gillette, he was not home. (laughs) And he was later notified by police the search had taken place. He runs something called Accuracy in Media. And he was away from his North Florida home when he received a call from local authorities Friday notifying him that officers had searched his home around 1.30 a.m. after receiving a call falsely claiming that he was at home and pointing a gun at his wife, at his wife's head. He and his wife, <clears throat> and there was no gun to her head, they were at a wedding in Texas. And he believed that someone lied to the cops to get him killed in response to their recent campaign that showed box trucks outfitted with billboards exposing students and faculty allegedly involved in horribly hateful anti-Semitic proclamations at Harvard, Columbia University, and the University of Pennsylvania. Now, listen, children, and I, I mean this to the college faculty as well, I know that you guys think you exist in some special place where you are immune to certain things. But when you do certain things, yes, people are going to notice. They're going to notice. You can't, you can't be this kind of vocal without being seen. The doxing trucks have visited several Ivy League schools, and they have been the pictures and names of those who signed the now infamous October 8th letter blaming Israel for the Hamas-led slaughter that began just a day earlier. The letter said the apartheid regime is the only one to blame for Hamas terrorists invading Israel. Now, swatting. See, here's the problem with swatting. When you send a bunch of SWAT individuals to a place, they're going into something which is, uh, they think, there's going to be some gunplay there. And that causes an adrenaline dump. And they start, you know, even the SWAT guys, there may be some that maybe that's not the case, but most of them that haven't been to many of these kind of events, they're going to lose control of their fine motor function. So when they go in, they're going to go in hot and heavy, and they're, they're all planning on going home. And if you're in there and you've got your gun to your wife's, house, or to your wife's head, uh, they're probably not going to sit back and go, let's talk about this. They're going to... Eliminate the threat, which is you. So, um, this is an attempt to kill somebody. When you got a bunch of guys going into a home at oh dark thirty in the middle of the morning, right? That's going to lead to a very volatile situation. If I'm in my house and somebody breaks in my house, I'm coming up, guns up. I'm coming up guns up. And I could very easily end up dead simply by reacting the wrong way to this intrusion, which it would be the wrong way for me to go guns up on cops. But since I don't know who it is because it's 1.30 in the morning, probably am. 
And all he did was publicize something that they put out. So he put something out about the just the names of these people and they start getting canceled by the cancel culture that they created and uh, somebody tried to get him killed. And whatever the penalty is for swatting somebody, it's not going to be harsh enough. But there seems to be a continued lack of due diligence done by law enforcement who received these calls. Entering the home of an unsuspecting person based on a single unverified phone call is not only legally dubious, but extremely dangerous. And it only stops when prosecutors pursue these cases vehemently and institute harsh punishments. I'm still waiting to see this happen, uh, you know, off of what happened in, uh, in Texas. When all the cops were standing around, they, they were not ready to rush in on somebody. But then again, we knew we really had somebody in there, didn't we? These major universities, though, people stop sending your kids to them. They've already fallen. Nothing's going to change on their campuses because they are beholden to the far left. If you send your, if you send your child there, you're going to create a little leftist soldier. They're going to look at you and think you are the problem. You should simply refuse to give money to these institutions. Find a trade school to send your child to. Find a school that, I mean, there's got to be somebody out there that doesn't indoctrinate. I, I don't know where we would find that, but, you know. But yes, the savagery of the human race is alive and well. We have it here. We have it everywhere. We're always going to have it. It's always going to be a thing. When my generation is gone, those that are left behind, you will have to deal with it. And you will either deal with it or you will die. Very simple. You may be lucky enough just to be able to, to, you know, if you don't do something about it, that means you're going to have to get on a bended knee to it and you're going to be subservient to them. And in the interim, on the way up, your parents probably gave them money to make you think this way. And now you're going to find out the betrayal of what leftism is because leftism in the end always comes after everything. Even you, the foot soldier. I will talk to you again in about 22 hours, I think. Yeah. And in the interim, let's fingers crossed. Let's hope it doesn't rain on Halloween. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.